0: I have a lot of excitement of what we're going to talk about today in this series called uh, Christ, the Church, and Chaos, as I don't know if you know this, but this week there's an election in our country, and I, I, I have a uh, word that I believe is from the Lord to speak to us, and it, it really comes from this experience I had with my youngest child. My youngest child is John Mark. I love doing activities with my kids. I love finding the activities they love and jumping in there with them to meet them where they're at. So my daughter, actually, she turned 17 this week. Wow. And um, so what we do is we go get coffee. She's a coffee girl, so we go to a coffee shop together. For my older two boys, they're, uh, they, they just are football players, so we spend a lot of time in the gym together, spend a lot of time throwing the football together. My youngest son, he's kind of a gamer. And uh, I, I am not good on video games, so I thought, how, how can I jump into his world? And I thought, you know what? I'm going to teach him chess. I'm going to teach him chess. And so we've been playing chess in the evenings. Anyone ever played chess? Just let me, let me see. Wow! This is like a chess church. Uh, that, that, is, that is fascinating. And, and so most people, when they learn chess, they first learn checkers, And checkers, if you've played checkers, give me me a little hand wave. Okay, so man, almost everyone. Checkers board and chess board, identical. Eight spaces wide, eight spaces long, 64 spaces. On the board, two opponents sitting head to head, you, uh, move, you're move. moving two different colors. You're moving towards your opponent. You overtake your opponent. But that's where the similarities end. Here's a checkerboard if you want to look at one of the screens near you. Checkerboard, you see all the pieces are the same and it's actually very simple how you move forward. You move diagonally one space at a time, and you overtake an opponent when you get next to them. And, and the way you win the game is just by accumulating, one step at a time, accumulating more and more of your opponent's pieces. Now chess, Dissimilar to that, in you look at a chess board and you see the players are actually very different. Like they all have different moves. A pawn has a different move than a rook, than a knight, than a bishop, than a king, than a queen. And so you have to know all these different moves, and you're not just going forward. You can go backward, you're going diagonal. It's a game of strategy. So here's just an example if you've never played chess to just pull you into this. You see, on the white team, a couple of pawns have moved forward. Well, that kind of looks like checkers, but look at this. The black uh, side, the queen, has been able to slide diagonally five spaces. And so here's what I noticed, playing chess with John Mark. John Mark is used to checkers, and so he's getting really excited, I'm noticing, as he's just taking more and more of my pieces. And I see his confidence kind of growing, and he's thinking, like, I'm, I'm totally kicking my dad's tail right now. You know, he, and, and I'm seeing him get a little cocky, and like, I'm taking dad out as he just keeps getting more and more of my pawns. And about six plays later, I look at John Mark and I say, "Checkmate." I've got you, son. And he's, what? No, because he had all my pieces. I had very few of his. But I had been thinking, the son was thinking, I'm just taking piece after piece, but the father was thinking, I have a strategy seven steps down the way. Today I want to tell you, the title of my message is, We See Checkers and God Sees Chess. Chess. When we're talking about this election period, what I believe God wants us to know is throughout human history, we as humans see checkers. Oh, I'm moving. Oh, look, I, I can move this space. Ooh, I just took over. I just, I just got, I just took that legislation out. I just took your candidate. Out. Oh, look at me. And and God is playing chess. You know, there, there's a, a professional chess player is actually called a grand master. Selah. Think about that for a minute. I know a grand master. His name is Jesus. And he can see 15 to 20 steps down the road. And that is exactly what came to mind when I saw this scripture. It just kept coming up over and over and over again in Jeremiah 27. I want you to turn there with me. I know that the title of my sermon said helpful words from Paul and 2 Thessalonians, but this is what was happening to me this week is that Jeremiah 27 was just coming in 3D at me this week. So we're going to take a little break after that one week in 2 Thessalonians. We're going to take a break. And uh, go to Jeremiah 27, because I want to show you a passage that made me have an aha moment. It says this, early in the reign, this is starting in verse 1, early in the reign of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Now, Jeremiah is a prophet. This is in the Old Testament. Just to give you some context, Israel, the people of God, are being surrounded by an enemy force called Babylon. This is what the Lord said to me. This is Jeremiah speaking. Make a yoke out of straps and crossbars and put it on your neck. You know what a yoke is? They would put it on oxen to pull a plow forward. And God actually tells this prophet, God actually tells prophets kind of to do some weird things, like act out some things. And he said, Jeremiah, put this yoke on your neck and tell them this is what's going to happen. Then send word to the kings of Edom, Moab, Ammon, Tyre, Sidon, all of these countries that are around Israel through the envoys who've come to Jerusalem to Zedekiah, king of Judah. Give them a message for their masters and say, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Tell this to your masters. With my great power and outstretched arm, I made the earth. You're like, cool, cool reminder. Yes, God, you have all power. You made the earth. Yes, I'm tracking with you. And it's people and animals that are on it. Okay, yes, God, you made the earth. You made the people. You made the animals. Yes, God, I agree. And I give it to anyone I please. Yes, God, we agree. You're in control. You're sovereign. Now I will give all your countries into the hands of my servant Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. I will make even the wild animals subject to him. All nations will serve him and his son and his grandson until the time of his land comes. Then many nations and great kings will subjugate him. I've read the Bible numerous, numerous times. I've studied the book of Jeremiah numerous times, but somehow I never saw this. Because I read this one phrase... Let me read it to you again. You might not have caught this. Now, I will give your countries into the hands of my servant, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. And I went, what? I had to read it five times because God is saying, my servant, Nebuchadnezzar. Now, if you don't know the Bible, you're thinking, what's the big deal? The big deal is Nebuchadnezzar is a bad dude. Nebuchadnezzar is a violent king. Nebuchadnezzar is angry. Nebuchadnezzar is arrogant. Nebuchadnezzar is a tyrant. In fact, if you remember the book of Daniel... Nebuchadnezzar's the bad king, and Nebuchadnezzar's the one who has gone in and raided Israel, and that's the whole reason why Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are now captives, slaves, in Babylon. And Nebuchadnezzar is the king who makes this massive gold statue and says, everyone has to bow down and worship this idol. And Nebuchadnezzar furthermore says, and if you don't, I'm going to send you into the fiery furnace and burn your flesh alive. This is not the kind of king you want. This is not someone you want elected as your president. This is is someone that you're like, this is absolutely crazy. And what does the scripture say? What does the Bible say? It says, God says, I am going to give you into the hands of my servant, nebuchadnezzar i want to tell you today people of god that we need to understand the verse is true when god says my thoughts are not your thoughts my ways are not your ways my ways are higher than your ways we see checkers god sees chess and god can use whoever he wants I think of uh, China. China is not known to have the most pro-Christian leaders. No one would say like, yeah, China. Man, that's the kind of leadership I want. Do you know that in the last 100 years, the country that has had the greatest revival, the most people turning to God in history, in fact, by 2035, studies are showing that that china will have the most christians of any nation on earth do you know that god can do something in the midst of things that confound our mind god has been bringing the greatest revival in a country where we would say no way would i want those leaders why Because there's this verse in Habakkuk. So if we were looking in one window on a scene in Jeremiah 27, the other window would be looking through Habakkuk. And I want to read to you a verse. It's one of the most famous verses. It's one of the most famous verses for missions conferences. I guarantee you've heard this if you've been to a missions conference. I guarantee you've heard our missionaries say this verse. It's it's one of my favorite. Habakkuk 1.5 says this, Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. And you're like, Yes right? Something good is going to happen. Oh, it's going to be good. God's going to do something great. Have you ever, I guarantee you that you don't know what the next verse is. I guarantee you it's never been read at a missions conference because the very next verse says this, Habakkuk 1.6, I'm raising up the Babylonians that ruthless and impetuous people who will sweep the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. Wow, that sounds like 2020. God saying, I'm going to do something amazing. And we're like, yes. And he says, I'm going to raise up the Babylonians that are a dreaded people. They're a law to themselves. And we're like, what? Like that we miss that in the missions conference. We miss that in our little encouragement that we send to our missionary friend, but God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. So why was he doing this? Why was what he, was he acting in this way? it's because if you keep reading in Habakkuk, which tells the state of the Israelite people. He explains these different things in the way that they were living. See if it sounds familiar. He says, my people have been accumulating wealth, but they have not been rich towards the poor. They've been accumulating wealth, but not caring about how it affects other people. He says this, that your culture has become violent Oh my goodness! Does that sound like us? I mean, we celebrate violence. You turn on the TV; you can't watch TV for a moment without seeing a, a, a murder. You see zombies, and, and and I mean, we're celebrating death. We become a culture of death. They they were it says they were indulgent in wine. I mean, we're an over medicated, legalizing drug kind of culture. It's not just outside of the church; it's inside of the church. Uh, uh, substances and all kinds of, of ways of degrading our bodies, which are the temple of God. It says, then they, they get people, and they stare at their nakedness. Oh, my goodness. I mean, is that us, a, a pornographic culture, not just outside of the church, in the church, illicit sex, sexual immorality. And he says, you, my people, you're going this direction. Oh, no wonder he's doing something. Can, can I tell you one truth from the Bible? Is that a country is always given... The leaders it deserves. Because those leaders become a mirror to reflect our character. Now, here is what I'm not saying. What I'm not saying is leadership doesn't matter. What I'm not saying is that we shouldn't care about righteous leadership. No, pray for leadership Seek God for righteous leadership. I'm, I'm also not saying that issues don't matter. I, what I'm not saying today is like, so, so who cares? Don't worry about things. No, no. Th- we want to be people of the book, right? We want to be people who believe the Bible. And, and if we'll align ourselves with the Bible, then we prosper. When we go against it, we're destroyed. So let me just say, there's some issues that really matter in our country, right? Abortion, it breaks the heart of God. Psalm 139 is so clear. God was forming us together in our mother's wombs. He saw us. He called us out while we were still in the womb. Now, if you've had an abortion, there is grace for you. God washes you clean, but it matters. And so, there, I am praying that there's some people that are, that are called to that issue that contend for these precious children. My mother, she serves in a crisis pregnancy center and is extending grace and love. and help. I mean, those are awesome. Racial equality is so important throughout the New Testament. Paul's saying he's broken down the walls that separate people. And, and the, the treatment, the fair treatment of all people is absolutely important. Religious freedom. I mean, you, we couldn't be sitting here today. Like, we'd still be at church, but we'd all be hiding out, and, you know, we couldn't blast our music. I, mean, I am so thankful, and, and I pray that there are people raised up. For that issue. The poor, the poor matter to God from Genesis to Revelation, it's on God's heart. And so the fair treatment of the poor is in- incredibly important to God. There are issues. Marriage, marriage is clearly lined out in the Bible, who it is, who can be married. And we extend grace to all people. But it's so clear, and I pray that that's, some of you, it's the issue that you are to give your life for. Immigration, This is a church that has an extraordinary amount of immigrants, and so God's fair treatment and His love and and, and His fairness to these people, it, it matters to God. These issues, I'm not saying they don't matter. Actually, here's my concern. My concern is Christians have taken one of two views on dealing with issues. Either they take an issue and they start yelling at people, right? We talked about this Last week, we get angry. How you dare? We send messages. We post something on Facebook or Instagram. You evil people! And, and we we're yelling at people, or we do what? What I talked to some of my neighbors, sweet neighbors who are or Christians who who. Who I was on a walk, and they stopped me, and they're just talking about what's going on, and they're like, you know, I, I, I've just chosen, like, no one at, at work knows what I believe because I just don't want to get in any arguments. And so they have no idea what I believe in. And, 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 and that's not the way. Do you know how we should be in this age? We need to be people who are clear on convictions, right? You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Like, people can't be free unless they know the truth. And then we need to be gracious and loving with compassion for those who disagree with us. In fact, those who hate us, we are called to love our enemies. So we need to be clear, and we need to be compassionate. And that is how people will see these people are of a different spirit. Oh, Christians actually have convictions, but they love me when I disagree with them. Imagine that. I I love this scripture in Titus. Okay, I I want you to look this up because this is, this is so important. Like this, this scripture needs to be our marching orders as believers in a time like an election. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient. Uh, 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 Let me just stop there for a second. Um, Some of you There's going to be a group of you, and I don't know which group it is going to be, that are going to be very disappointed with the outcome of the election. Right? So there's going to be a whole group in this church that's going to be very disappointed with the outcome of the election. I actually just don't know which group it is going to be. But can we make this commitment as a church that whoever gets elected that we're going to honor the Bible that says that we're going to honor our authorities? whether they would have been your choice or not. Can we say we're going to be biblical people who honor and who, who, listen to this, what Paul said in the time of a horrible Caesar who killed Christians, that we're going to be, we're going to remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient. So every way we can obey, we're going to obey. To be ready to do whatever's good. We're going to still do good. Go. To slander no one, to be peaceable. And consider it, and always to be gentle toward everyone. Oh my goodness, this would—I cha- mean, this would change it. To be gentle to everyone, right? Let—and we're like, man, the politicians—they're just—they're—they're they're just slandering each other. Well, let's be the model that that's not the way we have to be in life. That we can be gentle to everyone. You know, um, your candidate might lose this week. Right? So a whole group of people in this church, your candidate might lose. But can I tell you, you're still on the winning team. You're still on the winning team according to Scripture. So the writer of Habakkuk goes on to say this, Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him but the righteous will live by his faith. Uh, There's a lot of faith being exercised in the United States right now. There's a lot of faith. I'm just not so sure it is rightly apportioned faith or it's faith in the right place. There is a lot of faith that if I get my candidate, things are going to go great for me. And there is a lot of faith that if the wrong candidate gets put in place, that it's going to be horrible. You know, I, I, I see people putting more faith in politics right now than they're putting faith in God. But Habakkuk, Jeremiah The whole Bible shows us that it actually is not a political candidate, a political party, or a piece of legislation that shapes the world, but it's Jesus. That he is sovereign. He is in control. We see checkers, but he's playing a massive game of chess that lasts for generations. Okay. Iran. Iran. Do you know that the fastest growing church on earth, the place where people are coming to Jesus the fastest right now, it's not America. It's not even South America. It's Iran. The axis of evil. <laughs> Iran. And, and, and so when American pastors have asked the Iranian church leaders, hey, how can we pray for you? Because, yeah, I mean, things are, things are intense and things are crazy. Do you know what they've said? Yes, please pray for us. But don't pray that the political regime will change because the church is going faster and Christians are stronger right now than any time in Iran's history. Because we see checkers, but God is playing chess. And God is in control, and He puts people in power, and He knows what a nation needs at an appointed time. And so you're thinking, but gosh, but there's some people that are really bad. Like, do you know that there actually are people that want to get in office that hate Christians? Do you know that? Do you know that there are people that want to destroy the church? Do you know that there are people that want to suppress the church, that want to take away religious liberties? There are people that don't operate by kingdom morals. I mean, there are people. And so then you're like, wait, 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 God, I just don't understand because then you'd let someone like Nebuchadnezzar come in and and, and you'd let like a a tyrant people like Babylon take over. Did you see that, that last part, though, of Jeremiah 27? Look at this. Verses 6 and 7 of Jeremiah 27. Now I will give all your countries into the hands of my servant Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. I will make even the wild animals subject to him. All nations will serve him and his son and his grandson until... Until the time for his land comes, then many nations and great kings will subjugate him. Don't ever forget that God is just. He will not let evil go unchecked forever. He will bring a vindication. He will bring righteousness upon the earth. Don't ever forget what comes next in the book of Habakkuk. Listen to this phrase. Listen to this phrase. It says this. 4 This is awesome for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea That is our is our destination that is where we're heading God is saying look People of God, I know. I, I know it looks crazy. I'm putting Nebuchadnezzar in. He is my servant, and we're like Nebuchadnezzar, an angry, violent, uh, tyrannical king who doesn't. His name means it means Nabu will protect you, and and God is taking out Zedekiah, which means the Lord is justice. Like what? But his ways are higher, and he knows what he's doing, and he knows what what needs to happen for there to be a revival in China. He knows what needs to happen for the church to get on fire in Iran, because his end goal is the glory of God will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. And I don't care if your candidate loses this week. You're still on the winning team, because Jesus is in control. Jesus is sovereign. We see checkers. He sees chess. He is doing. He is ruling and reigning. He is orchestrating this world to become the kingdom of our God, and he shall reign forever and ever. I'm done. Amen.